Yeah, now we will have a secondary spread, and we already have a couple of herds where we which have not used semen from uh, from horses at this time. So, so this virus is just a new virus out there circulating. Hello, welcome to this podcast in the Meet the Experts series on swine health management in practice, brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim. My name is Peter Best. Over time in the Meet the Expert series, you will find several podcasts on the subject of the porcine reproductive and respiratory syndrome, or PERS. This podcast too is about PERS, but it also happens to be a detective story. To take us through it, we're lucky to have the man who's led the team of veterinary detectives involved. He is Professor Lars-Erik Larsen, now at the Department of Veterinary and Animal Sciences at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark to head its research group for enzootic and zoonotic viruses in, in uh, farm animals. Professor Larsen, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. It's a pleasure. And I've called it a detective story. I don't, would you agree with that description? Yeah, it was a uh, yeah, very exciting movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks. And uh, have there been outcomes from it which you think raise practical issues for disease management in swine herds or in swine sites, I should say? Yeah, I think that it has, at least it has created a, a debate about our use of vaccines which, um, and also an awareness of the limitations and 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 the risk so i think that but the bottom line is that it's also a lot of discussion about how to uh, survey our ball stations so I, I think that the major impact is now that the surveillance system in the negative ball stations uh, have been improved okay uh, so let's go back to the beginning please we're talking about a pers event that has taken place in Denmark, evidently, and you referred to boar stations. How long ago did it start, this event? Yeah, as outbreak of these kinds, uh, they are always happening in the summer vacation period where nobody's in the lab. So this one started in the uh, end of July uh, 2019. And it started as uh, that... This uh, negative boss station was surveyed by uh, 20 uh, serum samples uh, taking um, two times a month. And uh, it turned out that one of these uh, samples was uh, positive and um, for, for antibodies. And uh, this happened on a Friday, which are also typical for outbreaks. Um, and then, of course, this boss station was closed down and uh, new samples was taken on Sunday. And when we analyzed them on, uh, on Monday, we found that uh, 20 of these, uh, 18 of 20 samples was positive. So, um, so then we went back and, and tested samples from, from July. Uh, and we saw that the sampling uh, in the mid Mid July and fourteenth of July was uh, it was one ball which was positive for uh, for the virus. And this ball station, it was pers negative, you say, and being monitored or uh, surveillance twice 
twice a month. Uh, was it in an area, Denmark, with quite a high pig density? Yeah, it is situated uh, in the eastern part of Jutland, actually five kilometers from my birth home in Horsens. Um, and uh, it's a relatively uh, dense uh, area and uh, the biggest slaughtery in the in northern part of Europe are also situated, uh, I think it's 10 kilometers from there. Just to state the obvious, for to be clear, this boar station was supplying boar semen for insemination to commercial sow herds in the surrounding area, I assume. All over Denmark. All right. And in that surrounding area, around this particular centre, is Pers virus prevalent in those sow herds? Yes, there's a lot of positive herds uh, in the surrounding, yeah. Yeah, and they vaccinate against Pers routinely? Some of them uh, do, and some of the finisher sites are not vaccinating. And some of the finisher sites, we don't know the status on. And and was the uh, event of a purse breakdown at a bore station, was that unusual or has it happened before? It's the first time in 17 years this oh. has happened. Um, and you can just, yeah, so it's it's not that... Usual, but um, but it was not perfectly. Uh, it was not a big surprise that it it would happen. Um, so the border has quite a high uh, biosecurity. Uh, however, there was no filtration on on incoming air. So um, so of course it it was at risk. Is that standard on board stations in Denmark that the, you don't have air filtration? Yeah, but now they have started established them. Yeah. Um, and what about the nature of the virus involved in this breakdown? I, I mean, what if I refer to the virus types as types one and two, um, which type was it at the Boar station? I, I think both types were encountered in Denmark. Maybe that's correct. Yes, we have both types. Uh, so, so maybe I can tell the story chronically because, uh, yeah. So we got this positive sample in in uh, in in July, and then we run PCR on them, and and they were highly positive. And then we did uh, what we normally do is uh, off five uh, sequencing, and uh, Lisa Quisco, my colleague, who is no normally in charge of uh, of our sequencing, was of course. On vacation in Spain, so uh, <laughs> so my PhD student Pia with Hansen was helping me out with with the sequencing. Yeah, so so first we did the sequencing and uh, of five, and we did that right away, and the uh, and the result of that was very good for us because uh, it looked like it it was a, a vaccine uh, virus, so it was uh, it was more than 99% identical to the Amavac strain, which is in the uni strain vaccine. So at, based on of 5 we we were confident that this was a vaccine strain, and then by that, hoping that the uh, excretion in, in, in the semen has not been uh, too high. Um, <clears throat> but then... 
then we should have stopped because then there will not have been all this panic, but we continued and, and, uh, and did the full genome uh, sequencing. And then it turned out that uh, when we did the full, full genome, that, that it fit quite well when we looked at uh, of five, uh, of four, uh, of six and seven, and it was perfectly matched with the unison state. But the off three was a bit weird uh, because it was kind of a mixture. And then when we went to off two and also off one, then the similarity to the vaccine strain dropped to uh, 90%. And then we so, thought, okay, yeah. yes, sorry. No, it's all right. Uh, just to, uh, so I understand you. You thought it was this vaccine strain, and that was 100% when you did a, a partial sequencing. When you did a full genome sequencing, you saw that it was not that per se. No. So it turned out that, that so, so we thought this might be a reassorted uh, virus. So, um, so we we took off of two and off one, and then uh, did what we normally do uh, a blast with uh, a search in the, in the gene bank to where you can, where all public available uh, purse sequences are available. So we searched in there, but still the closest match was, um, was only 90% identical. So it was not this strange. So at, at that time, we, we wrote a report to the industry and saying that this is a reassortment between the vaccine strain and, a, and an unknown wild type. But then, uh, then Lisa got home from vacation and, and she, she looked at this blast and, and actually one of the big, uh, best hit in the blast was called 96198. And uh, because we're doing a lot of cooperation with, with Hans Neuwig in, 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 uh, in Belgium, she could recognize that this is, this is from Belgium. And, uh, and it did look like this uh, strain which are in Suetis vaccine. And then uh, she went in, uh, in GeneBank and searched for, for this name of the strain which are in, uh, in Suetis purse. Uh, strain. And then uh, we found a sequence and then we put in this into our uh, phylogenetic tree and bingo, it was 99.5% identical to, uh, to this strain. And this was a big surprise, but because it tells us that there's a lot of sequences in gene bank, which are not popping up when you do a blast research. And I think that all research are doing phylogeny in, in in viruses and also other stuff are a bit uh, surprised about this. So, um, so therefore it turned out that, so we contacted the Suezes and, and they provided us with a full gene uh, sequencing, and then we could do a recombination analysis at, and it proved this was a reassortment between two vaccine strains, the Unistrain strain and the Suvaxin uh, vaccine. And were these vaccines in use in Denmark? Yeah, it was the next uh, question is that when, where did this happen? And then uh, the Suvaxin vaccine, uh, we have a, in Denmark, we have a database for all uh, vaccines and medicines. So, so you can basically go in and, and look up what, 
how many hertz that has been used as the vaccine. And the Suvaxin vaccine was coming quite late at the market. So it has only been used in three hertz in Denmark. Actually, it has it has been sold in four 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 different uh, to four different veterinarians, but one of them was ourselves because we bought it to sequence it. So so it was only used for three in three hertz. And two of them were situated in northern part of Jutland. And the last one was situated five kilometers from uh, <coughs> from uh, Labor Station. But actually, it didn't appear in the register because it was gone out of business two months before, so it has been removed. So in the first place, we couldn't find it. But then we succeeded in finding it. And then uh, we asked the veterinarians to take samples from this herd. And, uh, and this herd was broke, but all the animals has been transferred to another site. So we went out there and took a lot of samples and found uh, three different viruses there. We found the Suvaxin virus, we found the, uh, the Unistrain uh, uh, virus, and uh, the last we sequenced was the recombination strain. So all these three uh, viruses were circulating. And indeed, when we looked, then both vaccine had been used, not at the same time, but uh, First, the uh, Unistrain had been been uh, been used, and then they shifted to uh, Suvaxin. Um, yeah, and and so this, they used two uh, vaccines, uh, two different vaccines within what a twelve month period or less. Yes, I see. And uh, were you? Has it, have there been reports from elsewhere of? two different vaccines being used and recombining and anything similar from the literature? Yeah, there's a report from, from France where, well, it had a recombination between also Unistrain and uh, Porcelis uh, in, in one herd. Um, and, but it's the only example for uh, PERS-1 uh, vaccines that I'm aware of that there is other reports also from Hungary and uh, China that uh, one vaccine are recombining with a, a field type uh, virus, but uh, the only report from 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 two uh, PERS one vaccines are recombining is from from France. So the, this detective story in itself has raised some things about the information that's available to you as investigators. And uh, you said about the gene bank, you said you were lucky that uh, Dr. Is it Lisa Crisco, who you, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, was yeah. in touch with other researchers and you identified the second element through that. Uh, so it tells you something about the uh, perhaps the, the information available to you as detectives wasn't just 100% that you needed to have access to more information than was available. Yeah, but it, it, this is just showing that that it's really important that we are doing this uh, sequencing. So, and and it also tells us less that we cannot use of five um, alone. Not not. It can't just be on the open reading frame five. It's got to be full genome. Huh? 
Yeah, it has. Uh, of course, you can use of five for for other things, but but not for this uh, disease tracking. And it also tells me that I sh I think that there's so many requirements. It's so expensive for the companies to get these uh, vaccines on the market, and there's no requirement yet that you have to publish the sequence of this virus. And I I think that it should be a a, a request that the companies are doing it. Mm, and, uh, sure. But basically, especially for the modified live vaccine, they, they, they should do it because we can just buy the bottle and do it ourselves. So I, I think that, so, so and, and then we have contacted uh, this organization who is running this uh, database and told them about this blast problem, but uh, we haven't got any response. So, of course, yeah, we are 100% dependent on people sharing sequences to be able to, to, to do these uh, disease tracking. So, mm. and, and in this, we were quite lucky. We could have been missing this, uh, this strain. Also because the vaccine was not being used in Denmark. So we were not, we were not focused on that. It was only because yes. Lisa was, uh, has a good memory. And the uh, virus was uh, in semen from this boar center, went out to production herds. You were able to identify quite a number of herds that had received the virus or became infected with this same virus uh, by this means, did you? Yeah, by, by combining the data we had, we estimated that this has happened in the beginning of June, uh, July. So meaning that semen has been sent out almost for four weeks or three weeks at least. So at, uh, at least 400 uh, uh, herds had received semen. Uh, and of these, uh, then there was uh, 70 uh, <coughs> sow herds. And, uh, and there was a survey in, uh, so the industry went out to, to have a follow up in these, uh, in these herds. And until now, I think it's 43 of them uh, has been positive up the up the sow and the uh, herds, but uh, but the production herds uh, we don't know because they can send samples to what, whatever. So, but yeah, we, I'm expect, sure. it, we expect a lot of the the, the pro production herds also has been infected by semen. Yes, and uh, as well as the semen, they could presumably infect each other through if. Their proximity, if they were very close to one another, they could yeah. be also also a source of infection. Yeah, now we will have a secondary spread, and we already have uh, a couple of herds where we which have not used semen from uh, from horses at this time. So, so this virus is just a new virus out there circulating. So yeah. it will spread yeah. uh, horizontally also. Was the result of the recombination of these two vaccine viruses, was it a relatively stable virus in your view that seemed to be highly transmissible and pathogenic in infected herds? Yeah, it's, it seems to be stable. So we passed it for three uh, passages, but now we are preparing uh, stocks for um, experimental infections. So we are in patients five or something. and. <clears throat> it's quite stable and uh, and we keep on finding this uh, in in new herds also 
So I, I think that this, this is virus is, is really competitive and, and, uh, it's spreading like hell. And, um, actually we have done our incorporation with Segus, who is the industry uh, corporation here in, in Denmark. And they have done in, um, as a survey or got production data from 18 Hertz, um, where they compare the infected hertz where they compare the production data seven months before with five months after receiving uh, semen and um, and and the impact there is uh, two to seven fewer pigs uh, per liter wean uh, so it accounts for maybe 200 million danish crowns which are 30 40 million euro um, and yes. at this time, it, and this time for the first time in many years, the prices was up and people has already ordered their new Mercedes. So it was really bad timing. Yeah. The worst possible time. Uh, yeah. the effects on these herds, this was despite the fact I assume that some herds were what using what we might call parent vaccine virus strains in their herd vaccination. Yes, yeah, so these virus, so these these herds which got infected here, on all of them, but two uh, controlled the infection by uh, max vaccination, uh, and most of them used the unistrain uh, hmm. virus because it was the best match in uh, in the hmm. external part of the virus. But despite this uh, max vaccination, then the losses are as described here, but they might have been worse if they didn't, if they didn't go in and, 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 and did the, the mass vaccination after the outbreak. So it was after the outbreak, not before the outbreak. Yeah. So there's still issues of vaccination to be resolved as far as this new virus is concerned. Yeah, but I think that, yeah, but the discussion now, uh, the discussion has been mixed in, in Denmark. So you're mixing things up because I think that there is two, we have two challenges. The, the one thing is that the weak spot in, 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 in purse control is when you take things in, into the herd out from outside. So when you have to take in new gills and when you have to take in semen and this just demonstrate that semen is really a risk factor, but, but there's no way around it. You need to supply semen to the, to the state, to the, to the herds. But, but these losses are so big that of course we have to do much better surveillance at the ball stations. If we have done at this ball station have done PCR on these 20 samples, we could do it in pools. It would have cost 70 euro to do it. It will have saved 200 Hertz from from so it will have saved us a lot of money so so better surveillance yes better surveillance certainly more frequent surveillance you said it yeah. twice a month didn't you no now we're doing it once a week and we are doing it with pci and uh, biosteology so as frequent as as you can possibly do it and with the most resources that you can do and uh, what about the the vaccination? Uh, would we yeah, assume? What, it... what I started to say is that two situations here has been mixed up. So this 
big outbreak was due to infection in a, a bore station. And this could have happened with a wild type uh, strain. It has nothing to do with the recombination. It's just coincident that this strain is a recombinant virus. It could have been that this co uh, recombinant, if it didn't enter this bore station, we, we could have found it uh, in our normal surveillance and everybody would have said, okay, it's just one herd, it's a recombination. But here, all these losses are, at least in the leg press, being related to the virus being a recombinant virus. And this, this is not true. This could also have had happened with a, a normal wild type strain. So we have two situations here. One is the use of vaccines and the risk of a recombination. The other thing is the ball station issues. And these two should be discussed separately. It's not the same discussion. So one, one is to take care of the ball station to secure surveillance, et cetera, avoiding spread of viruses. And then we have the discussion about what should we do about reassortment? What should we do about reassortment between vaccines and wild types and among vaccines? And, but it has nothing to do with this outbreak. So I, I prefer and try to tell people we have two different situations here and we should have two different discussions. The, the, in the detective story, the, the nature of the virus meant there was probably a more detailed investigation after the event that might have happened otherwise, I, I would guess. But you said 17 years since the last breakdown of, uh, of a PERS-negative bore station, so the... Uh, surveillance and biosecurity seem to have done a good job. Would the nature of this virus have had any effect at all on getting through those measures where previously other virus types had not done so? I don't. I don't think so. So, <clears throat> what what we have been looking is that has there been any break in biosecurity at, at this farm? Has anybody been working on other farms, uh, etc.? And and I don't know. It's it has not been. I've not been involved in this, but but they tell us that there's no break. But this herd where we found the virus is situated six kilometers from from this herd, and it's in the western uh, direction. And when we looked at the temperature and the wind, uh, wind, uh, the wind direction during uh, July, it was low, uh, It was from west, and the temperature was fifteen degrees. And uh, under these uh, circumstances, uh, some uh, groups in US have uh, estimated that the half-life of, uh, of living person in, in air is 80 minutes, and it takes seven minutes for aerosols to, to get from this herd to, uh, to the ball station. And uh, so we are pretty sure that, as Peho just mentioned, that we have the smoking gun. We're pretty sure it's airborne spread from this. Uh, yeah, yeah. This herd, we cannot prove it more. But yeah, but as a detective story, that's a pretty neat piece of investigation, I think. And thank you for sharing that with us and your views on the the outcomes from it, Professor Larson. I think we should end our podcast then. So can I just say thank you to Professor er Lars Eric Larson of the University of Copenhagen in Denmark 
and also to you, our listeners, for joining us for this podcast in the Meet the Expert series. Uh, please stay tuned. There will be more podcasts coming. Thank you, Professor Larson. Goodbye. <laughs>